Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. chapter 28, verse 1 through 6. We're so glad to have our guests here with us today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 The book of Acts, chapter 28, verse 1 through 6. And as you're turning there in your Bibles... Uh, I do want to encourage our church to be uh, at uh, Connect Group, and we're still having those downstairs. That's this coming Friday. This Friday? Is that correct? This coming Friday at 6.30 in the uh, Connect Center downstairs. So we do uh, need you to be there, and we have a wonderful time, and uh, we have a good word and good discussion, and I always enjoy hearing the discussion and the words of our people. Our people have some great insight into a lot of things, and thank the Lord for that, and uh, we want to encourage you to come and be a part of our Connect group, and invite somebody to our Connect group, and uh, we'll enjoy the fellowship, and food, by the way, and food, so bring something that you like to share with others, and uh, uh, it always just adds the icing to the cake. I say that for a reason. The icing to the top of the cake. And how, how many ever ever ate the icing and not the cake? I eventually get to the cake, but I got to get the icing off first. So, um, but. Um, that just kind of adds to it when we have the word of the Lord, which is the greatest thing. And then, of course, food and fellowship. So thank you. And church, uh, Landmark, thank you for being you. We love you. We appreciate you. And we thank you for being who you are and loving the kingdom of God and uh, loving souls and loving the word of the Lord. We love you and appreciate you today. The book of Acts, chapter 28, verse 1 through 6. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita, or as some would say, Malta. And the bar barbarous people showed us no little kindness. That means it wasn't a little kind, it was a whole lot of kindness. They were showing a lot of kindness, no little kindness, so a lot of kindness. But it goes on, says, for they kindled a fire and received us, everyone, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. Verse five, and he shook off the beast into the fire and, knelt, and felt no harm, howbeit they looked when he should have swollen and fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while he, and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said, that he, is, he was a God, said that he was a God. So I want to preach to you today on this title, Assured in God's Promise, Assured in God's Promise. I've looked back over my notes, and I know that the Lord has referred us back to, on different occasions of teaching and preaching, to that uh, word promise. Uh, if you've got your Bible, lift your Bible up, this is your promise from God. We have a promise. And thank God for that promise today. 
Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Assured in God's promise, every one of us have a promise from the Lord of good things, of hope, powerful things in our lives. So thank the Lord for that. And there is a confidence in our promise. I don't know of any word in this book that has ever let me down. As God has made promises, he is not a liar. He does not, he, he does not say false things. What he says, he means, and he will come through with it. And we even heard uh, a couple of weeks here on our 40-year anniversary, we also heard that the promises of God are going to come to pass. That's not just for the corporate, for the group, for the church body, but that's also for us individual. Let me ask the question here. How many here in this church have a promise from the Lord? Raise your hand. Well, we all should raise our hand because we have the word of God. We all have a promise. Thank the Lord for his promise. So why is it that it seems a child of God seems so at peace when they go through tests and trials? And the reason is, is because they have a confidence in the promises of God because God has never let us down. And we thank the Lord that he's never let us down. We can walk in confidence. No matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter what struggle we deal with, and it's not all about struggle and battle and fighting and this and that. It is about also that the ultimate part of it is victory. We have a promise of victory, but we are very confident in the promises of the Lord. I know that there are men and women in our world today that also have confidence in what they do. I know we, we can look at people that have had a lot of confidence in succeeding in jobs or sports or whatever. There's a lot of confidence that has been spoken through the years, and I've been amazed at through the years growing up some of the some of the uh, words of confidence of boxers that before a fight they would speak confident that they're going to put down their opponent and uh, or uh, there are sports figures that have said we're going to win this game we're going to win the Super Bowl we're going to win the World Series we're going to win the national title I mean it goes on and on but people speak in that positive way of confidence uh, now, they look at it in the sense that I believe and confident in my abilities of myself and my team, but we can look at it as we are confident as a church body in our God. He is the creator of heaven and the earth, and he's never let us down. Can I hear an amen? He's never let us down. There was a man named John McKay of the NFL, uh, National Football League. He tells a story illustrating the supreme confidence of the University of Alabama football coach. Many of you have heard of him. His, his name was Bear Bryant. And uh, he was a very confident man, confident in his team, confident in himself. And uh, they were out one day, John McKay and Bear Bryant, they were out uh, duck hunting. Uh, and, and he said in this, this little uh, testimony John McKay did. He said, we were out shooting ducks. And finally, after about three hours, here comes one lonely duck flying along. They had been duck hunting for hours. And, and then all of a sudden, it, you know, the ducks just kind of weren't coming like they were before. But then there was one lone duck come flying by. And uh, uh, Bear Bryant he took his gun and he pointed at the duck and he fired his gun at that lone duck. And that duck, uh, he said, is still flying today <laughs> because he shot. And even though he was confident they were going to hit it, but yet that duck flew off and was, his life was spared. But here's what Bear Bryant in his confidence in his shooting said, he, but Bear Bryant watched the duck flap his wings and fly away, 
And, he, and John McKay said, Bear Bryant looked at me and he said, John, you are witnessing a genuine miracle. There flies a dead duck. You see, we, we look at things with confidence, even in failure, we look at it like it's not all lost. We look at it that we're confident that it's going to bring great things to us. We believe, we trust in that. And it, it is the small things in God that keeps us going. Uh, the big things we love, but yet even the small things keep us going in God. Keep living, keep believing, keep trusting, keep putting our faith in God because he's given us promises and these are even in the small things. God's got this. To the small things, they are so important to us, but maybe not so important to everybody else. They don't understand where we're at at that time, but yet I know in my own life there's some things that seem very small to a lot of people, but they're so very important to me. And I put my confidence in the Lord, and you put your confidence in God, and we keep on going. God keeps bringing us back to this thought of promises, promises that God has given us as a church body and also as individuals. I say to this congregation today, uh, you can make it. You are going to not just barely make it, you're going to thrive. Amen? Not on our own, but because of the power and glory of God and the power of the promises of his word. We're going to make it. We're going to live it. We're going to see great and mighty revival come. And it's happening now. Great things are happening now. But the promises of the Lord are ours. Amen. There was another uh, true story about halfway through what was the PBS program on the Library of Congress. Dr. Daniel Borston, the Librarian of Congress, uh, brought out a little blue box. It was from a small closet that once held the library's what they call rarities. And he brought this out, and uh, the label on the box read, Contents of the President's Pockets on the Night of April 14, 1865. I never had heard this before, but I don't know if you realize what was actually in the pockets of the President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. We know that Abraham Lincoln had went through a lot of struggle in the battle of war in our country, and and uh, he had a lot of ridicule and had a lot of attacks against him. And, uh, but it said that the contents in his, in his pockets at this point uh, were, were various items. It says, since the, that was the fateful night Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, every viewer's attention was seized on what Dr. Daniel Borston uh, was saying, and he proceeded to remove the items out of the small container of this box and display them on camera. And, and there were five things in the box. Five things in the box. Number one was a handkerchief embroidered A. Lincoln. There was another thing that was in his pocket was a country boy's pen knife was in his pocket. Another uh, thing that was in there was a spectacles case that was repaired with a string. And then also in this, in this uh, pocket was a purse containing a $5 bill of Confederate money for whatever reason he had, que uh, you know, question mark there. But then it goes on and says uh, there was another item that was there that was very interesting. In this, in his pocket, some old and worn newspaper clippings were in his pocket. Uh, the clippings, said Dr. Morston, were concerned with the great deeds of Abraham Lincoln. And one of them actually reports a speech by John Bright, which says that Abraham Lincoln is one of the greatest men of all time, he said. Today's, today, that's uh, an understanding of history. But the, but the world... Uh, of John Bright as he said these things millions have understood his opinion 
of Abraham Lincoln and what he was trying to present and leading our nation through war. He was a lonely, uh, his was a lonely agony that reflected the suffering and turmoil of this country, ripped to shreds by hatred and cruelty of costly war. There is something touchingly pathetic in the mental picture of this great leader, it said, seeking solace and self-assurance from an old newspaper clipping that he had and he carried in his pocket just to give him a little bit of hope that somebody cares about what I'm doing. Just a little bit of hope, just a little possibility that there is a little bit of hope that someone thinks that the decisions that I'm making can set people free. And he, he found a lot of nights of loneliness as he stalked around the White House and did various things, made certain decisions and, and had a lot of people that were out for his life and of course eventually his life was taken. I stood in the house across from Ford's Theater and walked through the bedroom and the bed where he laid in his, in his uh, last moments of life after he was assassinated. And what a eerie feeling that it was. But he carried in his pocket some various things that were important to him, but the clippings there that he had to refer back to that, hey, I can do this. It was a point of positivity. It was a point of hope. It was a point of someone actually thought that what I was doing had significance. You see, many trials of life that we face, uh, many trials of life uh, try to detour us from God's purpose. A lot of trials that we deal with try to get us off course to not fulfill the calling and the work of reaching other people and letting them find true liberty and freedom through salvation. Amen. Through repentance, through baptism, in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, and through powerful experience of receiving the Holy Ghost, a death, a burial, and a resurrection of the Lord in our lives. Amen. But many trials come our way. They try to bring us fear. They try to get us off course. They try to get us to think that we can't do this, that we can't live anymore. And some people even go to the point of taking their own life because they're in their mind and in their thinking, there's so much fear that I can't do this any longer. Let me tell you something. If you go to the promises of the word of the Lord, it gives you hope. It gives you a possibility that you can make it. That's God's promise. Amen. But, but there's a lot of trials. They bring fear to our lives. They, they put thoughts of giving up and giving in to sin and going back into the world that I can't keep doing this. But I, I know that there is hope for every one of our lives here today. Uh, the trials of life, walking away from God, thinking that's the answer. It is not the answer. It, it just magnifies the problem even more that I can't handle the battles anymore. I can't face the struggles anymore. Let me tell you, if you just simply turn it over to God, He's got this. Amen? That's the problem. We hold on to our problems too long and try to do it ourselves. It just, he said, cast them. He didn't say just lay them upon him. He didn't say just barely give them a, a portion. He said, cast those cares upon me for he careth for us. <laughs> but what I'm saying here today, God is trying to tell us to hold on to your promise. Hold on to the promises of the word of God. It is truth. It will come to pass. It will help you to overcome. And you know, when I stop and look, I, one of the chapters of the Bible that I love dearly is Hebrews chapter 11. I love uh, Hebrews chapter 11. I, I know that, that uh, there are some hall of fames in a world. You know, it's, I, I think it's amazing what, uh, what accomplishments uh, some sports stars have done. I think it's, a, it's great what accomplishments a lot of people that have been through uh, a lot of 
a, a lot of obstacles and a lot of restrictions in their life, but they were able to overcome and do great exploits. Uh, I, I do uh, know that it is from the hand of God that they have the ability to be able to do what they are able to do. But, but here's the thing. When you consider the work that has been done for God, it is so far greater amazing to me how that people have overcome obstacles and they press through the struggle and they press through the battles and they are still here. And they, they, at times it seems like they were beat down and that, that all was lost and that they, people left them for dead. You'll never make it. You'll never get up. You'll never never be successful in God. You'll never thrive. But I, I know that they rose back up and great things have happened in their lives and blessings have come to their lives. God is saying here today, you can make it. You can overcome. You can be victorious. But it's not on our own. It's through God. The promises of the Lord. Amen. But I look at, the, I look at Hebrews 11 as one of my, one of my favorite uh, chapters of the Bible because it's, ca- it's called the Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith. When, when you look at all of the, the names that are written there in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you, you need to go back and read that chapter again. If you ever get to the point where you feel like your faith is down, Understand what peoples went through to to continue to believe God for miracles. But when you look at the names of those in chapter 11, you look at their struggles. You look at their battles. And you also look at how they overcame. They overcame it. And, and, And this book, this chapter 11 of Hebrews is packed full of the word faith and promise. You know why? Because faith and promise go together. Trust in God. They go together. They're not separate. They go together. There is a connection between promise and faith in God and relationship with God. And that's what they had. They had a relationship with God. You can look at every one of the names in the 11th chapter of Hebrews and you could see how that they were up against some big, gigantic obstacles. First of all, Abel, it said he died. He died by the hands of his own brother that murdered him, one of the first murders of the Bible. He died because he had offered a more perfect sacrifice and his brother got jealous because God accepted his sacrifice and he died. But he was a man that is included in this this hall of faith because he did the right thing. He was obedient. We find Enoch, uh, what an amazing miracle. Enoch was translated and saw no death in his life, but he's included in that hall of faith and promise. We look at Noah. What a beautiful story. Noah overcame scorn and attacks against him. Can you imagine if you today went to your backyard and started building an ark, how many uh, people would scorn you and, and, and maybe even protest in front of your house and ridicule you, put signs out that this guy's crazy. He's building a boat. Now, if you're in your backyard building a bass boat, I don't think too many people would probably say anything about that, but yet... You know, if you're building an ark and God had designed it and you're putting pitch on this thing and you're trying to seal it and you're doing it exactly the way and, and it takes you several years to do it, uh, you know, people were going to scorn and talk about you. That's what was happening to Noah. But he did not let the promise and the commandments of God and his faith in God go anywhere else but through the work that he was doing for God. He's included in that hall of faith. Abraham had a promise in his old age. He was searching for a city whose builder and maker is God. But here he was. He he was searching for that city. He was walking in a promise. And he was also walking in faith in God. And there were some things that Abraham saw in his life, but there's other things he didn't see in his life, but he continued to pursue the promise because that promise was not only just for him, it was also for the generation after him. 
But he had a promise. And it was fulfilled in his, in his older years of life. He had a son stricken in age. And his wife Sarah even, she's included in this book of the Hall of Faith. Sarah delivered a child a promise in her old age. So Abraham and Sarah, because they were walking in the promise of faith, they believed and God came through. We go on here and Isaac is in this chapter. Uh, Jacob is in this chapter. The patriarchs of of, of the Old Testament. And then there's also Joseph is in this chapter, a man that went through struggle, went through heartaches and pain. He endured so much, even at the hands of his own brothers, but he was elevated by God because he was walking in promise and he was walking in faith. You can look at the, you can look at the lives of individuals how that they went through struggle. And you think, and we think, that we're going through hard times. Sometimes we do. But sometimes we don't go through what some of these people, and, and Job especially, went through in the Bible. I don't know if anybody has been through what Job went through, but yet he was walking in promise and in faith. And Joseph, of course, was elevated to a high place for the purpose of God. You can go on in this book. It talks about Moses. How that in Hebrews 11 and 25, it says, it says here in this hall of faith, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He took his life and put it in the hands of God and made a promise to God because God made a promise to him. And he walked in faith. He's in the hall of faith. And it goes on, as the scripture says, because of a lack of time here, he, in the book of Hebrews, uh, Rahab's in there, and Gideon's in there, and Barak is in there, and Samson, and Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, uh, and includes the prophets. But you see, they were all in there, but they went through struggle, they went through battle, but yet they held on to the promise and the faith in their God to lead them through. Uh, Hebrews 11, 33 through 40, who through faith subdued, listen to what they did because they held on to their promise. Uh, it says here that who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness. Uh, now, as I read these, I want you to think about yourself. Because you are a person, a soul of faith. Yes. You are a child of God. The devil is not going to win against your life. I want you to stop and think about it here today. That what these people in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 were walking in promise and walking in faith. I want you to put yourself in the same place. <laughs> that as you walk in promise and as you walk in faith, this is what can happen to you. <coughs> Who through faith subdued kingdoms. That's us. Wrought righteousness. That's us. They showed us an example of this. We're following in the word of God. Obtain promises. Stop the mouths of lions. Quench the violence of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. And they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Because they were people of promise and people of faith. Let me tell you something. The world is not worthy of a godly people that know how to walk in promise and faith. Amen. It says that these people of faith of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. 
Some of those didn't even receive their promise, but that promise was believed on for us today. They did it so that we could have a promise today and show an example of how to walk in faith and believe God for the miracle. Amen. There is a common denominator here. The words faith and promise go hand in hand. The words faith and promise go hand in hand. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And were persuaded, persuaded of them, and embraced of them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. You know, when, when you're walking in the promise and in faith, you got to be persuaded. Persuaded of them. And embrace them. And confess that we're strangers and pilgrims on this earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they have been mindful of that country, it says, for whence they came out, they might have had an opportunity to have returned. But they cut it off because they were, they were walking in the promise and in the faith of God's plan. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not going back to the world. I'm not going back to sin. I'm totally persuaded. I'm totally embracing the promises of the word of God. I'm not going back. I know what back means. I know where I came from. I know where I've been. I'm going forward in the promises of God because that's where the blessings of the Lord are. Oh, amen. Thank the Lord for it. Thank you, God. Amen, I'm persuaded. You, you must be persuaded. You must embrace it because that is where the miracles lie. It's all in God. I trust him. You trust him. We trust him with all of our heart, all of our soul. We're not going back. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly it's to walk in the Spirit. It's to be in the presence of the Lord. It's to be in the peace of God. It's to be in the house of God, to feel the glory. We don't just come here to the house of the Lord just to put our time in. We don't come here to the house of the Lord to just say that we came and we did this and we're going somewhere else but we come to the house of the Lord for one purpose. We've got our eyes on God. We've got our spirit connected with God. We want to experience the power of the Holy Ghost refreshed within our lives. We want to experience the miracle. We're not looking for miracles. We're not looking for healing. We're not looking. No, we're looking for God because when we find God, we find the miracle. We find the healing. Amen. It's all about relationship with God. Oh, you just need to search for God. That's where you're going to find everything you need. You're going to find your promise fulfilled. You're going to find the power of God. Amen. You're going to find a city that is better than what we're looking for. It's a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. A city. God's not ashamed of his people of faith. He's not ashamed. We're walking in faith. Don't, don't go backward to sin. Don't go backward to the ways of the world. You're going to get exactly what you've always got. And you know what's there. Why go back? Why revive the old person? Go forward in God. Move forward in faith and promise. Very few in the Bible have handled more than Joseph and Paul and Jesus, just to say a few. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 23-29, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, Paul said. I am more in labors, more abundant, 
and stripes above measure. There's, there's, there's not too many people as a, that, that have faced as many things as Paul has experienced because he was set on the promises and faith in God. He said, in stripes above measure, talking about himself, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. It's amazing. He was counting. <laughs> I guess if I was getting beat, I'd probably count them too. When are you going to stop? Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. Uh, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils in the by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak, he said, and I am not weak, who is offended, and I burn not. He had been through a whole lot of mess for the cause of Christ because he was following a promise with faith. And that is what God wants us to do. You see, we learn from those of the Bible. And of course, Paul was promised that he was going to go to Rome. Matter of fact, he was promised by the Lord. Promised to go to Rome. But he found himself shipwrecked. The Lord spoke to him. Nobody's going to be lost. You might lose the things in the ship, but we're not going to be lost. Just trust me, the Lord's, the angel of the Lord has talked to him. And when they finally found themselves on the island of Melita, the Bible says that they were very kind to them there on the island. And they, they all built a fire. And Paul, in his servant spirit, said, I'm going to contribute to help out this fire. So we went and gathered some sticks. And he took them and placed them on the fire. And for a while in my life, I, until I really looked at it closely, I always thought that the sticks he picked up had a viper in it. No? I, it says that he put the wood on the fire, and maybe it was in the wood that he picked up, but it was also, it says that the viper came up out of the flames. It's possible. It could have been a part of the wood that he picked up. But he was contributing to the blessings that they were given even though they were in a time of shipwreck and turmoil. But he wanted to contribute. I, I, I'm a firm believer that we as children of God need to contribute to this fire of the Holy Ghost. Not that we can add to what God does, but yet we can connect with God in a prayer and in fasting and in the Word of God and walk in faith and be obedient to the Word of God. We can contribute to this. We can reach out to souls. We can touch people's lives by the power of the Holy Ghost that is within us. And, and, and it's important. God is wanting us to contribute to the, to the fire of revival and fire of the power of the Spirit of God. But he, he gathered a bundle of sticks this great apostle. It's been said that among the people on this shipwreck, there was possibly around 276 on this ship. But here the apostle, in his servant spirit, picked up sticks, put them on the fire to make it a little bit strong because it was cold and it was also rainy. But a viper came up, came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand as he was putting this in the fire. And it latched on. It didn't just nip him. It latched on and it was hanging there. I would have a heart attack. I'm not into snakes. 
But this thing latched onto his hand or his, his uh, fastened on his hand. And he's standing there with this viper hanging on his hand. And everybody was like, what? I mean, I know we would do that. We, we would do that. Uh, Brother Clinton, if you, me and you were out hunting and you got your hand in something and a viper grabbed a hold, I'd be watching. I don't know how close I'd get to you. I, I'd be watching to see what's going to happen. Uh, but it latched on, and Paul, Paul was faithful to God as a true servant. But th th this, this event did not keep him from this trial. His humble spirit and service to the Lord brought out a viper. He was shipwrecked. He could have thought, well, others can do this. No, he was getting involved, but he got attacked again. He was already in a trial, and he got attacked again. And, you know, sometimes we, we get to the point where we're thinking, and I, how many of us have said that? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us have said, Lord, when is enough enough? You know, I, I went through this struggle. Now I'm going through this struggle. And you would think that two would be enough. Then the third one comes, and you always hear that, you know, sometimes things come in threes, and you hope that at that point it stops. But then when it comes into fours and into fives, you're saying, God, do you love me anymore? God, do you care about me anymore? I mean, it's just flooding in my life and the trials and struggles. And, and here's, here's Paul. When I read all of the list of all of the things he's been through, he's been in prison, he's been beaten, he's, now he's been, he's been shipwrecked more than just once, but he's been shipwrecked several times and, and, and all of these things left for dead, stoned, left for dead. But here he was with a viper after he was in a trial of a shipwreck on an island that he didn't know, but he was in a place where it was cold and it was rainy and he had a viper hanging on his hand. You would think you would, what a lot of people do is give up. What's the use? But it seems like when the heat is on that Satan rises up. It seems like when God begins to move and we have revival, the, the devil tries to stick his old ugly head up and tries to attack. Now, all that says to me is, devil, you think you got this? I think, I really think in my heart that when God begins to move, that Satan tries to, he knows that he's, he knows his end. And he gets really upset when God begins to move. Now, I don't believe that he knows what God's going to do. But I know that when he sees God begin to move, he begins to attack. That's the reason why so many times that when troubles come and storms come, trust me, as a church body here at Landmark, we've seen enough to believe, to, uh, to believe in God for anything. And when storms come, we just kind of, put in our mind that something is getting ready to happen that is great. So it seems when the heat is on Satan, when God's powerful spirit is moving in our lives, when we're stepping out in faith, when revival is flowing through the church and lives are being changed and hearts touched, when lives are being set free by the power of God, and miracles are happening, even at home, Sister Debbie, not even here at church. Can you believe God would even do that? Yes, that is revival. Amen. And I believe that God can touch Brother Bick in the hospital right now because God is a miracle-working God, and we're releasing God to do what he wants to do. Amen. But miracles are happening, but the devil acts up. And I believe that something great was happening in Paul's life because he was walking in promise and faith and a viper when the fire is the hottest of the power of God the viper rises up and attacks but I love what Paul did he didn't fall on the ground crying like a little baby 
He didn't quit. He didn't say enough of this. I've been through all of this. God, you've done three things, four things, five things, ten things, and now why should I keep going? Why should I continue? You know what he did? He shook it off. He didn't cry around. He didn't blame everybody else. He didn't blame God. He just shook it off into the fire. (laughs) I think what we need to do to Satan is shake him off in the fire of the Holy Ghost. Shake him off in the fire revival. Shake him off in the power of a prayer meeting. Shake him off in the power of the presence of the Lord. Amen. We're, we're worshiping God. He tries to latch onto you. Just shake him off. He has no power other than what God allows him to have or we allow him to have. But Paul didn't let it bother him. He just shook it off. Paul's reaction seemed so calm and so unconcerned. But no, he was walking in a promise that God told me I'm going to Rome. Amen. He had a promise that he was going to Rome. Acts 23 and 11. And the night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also in Rome. And he hadn't made it to Rome yet. So he was standing on the promises of God. Amen. That's what God is wanting us to understand today. We have the word of the Lord. We're standing on a promise. We're standing on a promise for revival. We're standing on a promise for souls. We're standing on a promise for miracles. We're standing on a promise for healing and deliverance. And we're seeing it happen in Jesus' name. Oh, yes. We've got a God that has given us promises and we are walking in those promises of the Lord. We're walking in it. Amen. It might be little steps at times. And it might be old, big old, long steps at times. But we're walking in the promises of the Lord. There is nothing in this book that God is going to fail in. There is nothing in this book that God is going to let us down in because there are promises for your family to be saved. There's promises for your friends to be saved. There's promises for your life to be healed and your life to be delivered. Don't give up in the midst of the trial. Just shake it off into the fire of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. I feel the presence of the Lord so strong in this place. Oh. Hmm. Hallelujah. We're walking in promise and in faith. I believe that the book of Hebrews chapter 11 needs to also include some people of landmark because you are people of faith. We got enough miracles here that uh, there's no way we cannot believe. doesn't mean we don't want more. We want the exceeding abundance. But I'm here to tell you today that what God is saying to this congregation, don't give up. Don't quit. You're walking in promise. You might have a viper hanging on your, on your spirit or your soul. But when you trust the promise with faith, You're going to shake it off in the power of God's flaming fire. And God is going to show you the miracles. Don't look for the miracle. Don't look for the healing. Look for God. When you find God, you find everything you need. If you haven't repented of your sins, you could do that today. If you haven't been baptized and buried that that old sin in a watery grave, you could do it today. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost and experienced the power of the book of Acts chapter 2 and speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance, you could do that today. 
If it's been a while since you've done it, you can do that today. You might have a viper on you right now that's saying, you can't do this. They were looking at Paul, waiting for him to fall down dead for him. And they get real scripted. They say, we're waiting for him to swell up and fall over dead. He just shook it off. Because he was following a promise of faith. He hadn't made it to Rome yet. And God told him he was going to Rome. What promise do you have today? Why give up until that promise is fulfilled? Why give up? Keep following the promise. As we stand here today, We all have a promise from God. If you've committed to a relationship with the Lord, you've got it. The Word of God, the Bible, is a promise. When you know you have a promise for God, from God, you're not going to quit. I remember the day you've seen the picture, the 40-year anniversary. I remember the day walking up to that old church building over here on Central Street. And me and my wife and then Mike was standing there with us. And we were looking up at this building that the roof was thrown off of. It was strung all over the place and the road. I remember looking at it. I could have let that just be a viper, just continue to hang on. We're, what are we going to do? We're going to have to disband the church. We're going to have to quit with pastoring a viper hanging on our hand. No, we were walking on a promise. And we took that viper and flung him into the fire of the power of God. And out of that, God has given this building to us today because we're walking in faith. And what I am, God is trying to say to you and me today, you've got a promise. And I'm going to ask today if you would just come forward to this altar and stand before God. Let's just stand before God and lift up our hands to the Lord and speak out of our mouth, our heart, our soul, that God, I thank you for the promise that I will see come to pass. I'm shaking, I'm shaking off my viper, my trial, my test, in the fire of the powerful presence of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes. Uh,